And so it goes. You know the routine. And it comes to you as County 911 dispatching EMS Station 90 for an unknown medical emergency. Female patient with foot pain. Ambulance 91 is due at 2040 hours. That's your scenario as it cracks through the monitor. Foot pain, you ask yourself? Really? Someone actually called 911 to request an ambulance for foot pain? We all know it happens all the time. While our 911 system in America is fast and responsive and relatively user-friendly, sometimes it's just a bit too convenient to activate the EMS system because it's just easier to call an ambulance than it is to call a taxi. We'll talk about defining EMS further in this edition of the QMC Board and Caller. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the QMC Board and Caller, news and thought-provoking discussions for today's emergency medical service provider. The Board and Caller podcast series is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in emergency medical transportation revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, your host for today's podcast, QMC's Director of Client Services, Gary Harvat. We talk a lot in this space about how frustrating it is to run a call only to find out that later we can't be reimbursed because our patient is determined to not be medically necessary. So instead of whining over the latest change in payment policy or impending audits, why not get out in front of this thing by making strides to educate the public and share some of our concerns? So with a large part of the public somehow in the mindset that we are the you call, we haul bunch, there's no time like today to start attempting to turn the tide. A few weeks ago, I suggested that one of the ways we try to limit the number of non-medically necessary transports we incur is to provide education to the public. So since I gave you a suggestion like that, it's time to help you think about ways you can educate your community about when it's appropriate and when maybe it's not appropriate while providing an explanation about what to expect after the call. Along the way, we also need to get the word out to the public officials about the big ticket items that are negatively impacting the effectiveness of EMS in your community. It's time to think outside the box, folks. I need you to ask yourself, who in my community can reach with the EMS message with the goal of enlightening the community about who we are and what we do? Where can I meet face-to-face with our communities to begin to turn the tide? Well, I've got a few suggestions. It's time to take a meeting. Do you want to understand why Congress makes the healthcare decisions it does? Well, the best person to help you understand those decisions is a member of Congress. Go right to the source. First, you'll need to make an appointment. Call, write, request a sit-down with any local official you can think of that makes a decision about a wide range of issues affecting your EMS organization. For example, maybe you can meet with your representative in Congress. You may or may not be able to actually meet directly with a representative. However, a staff member may be equally as influential and may have more time to focus on your suggestions and requests. Later, to speak into the ear of his boss when it comes time to influence pending EMS legislation. On the local level, take time to meet with county or local officials who may have influence over dispatch protocols at the 911 center. Meet with your city's mayor so he or she can gain a better understanding of the hurdles your department faces for funding, protocols, staffing, etc. Most importantly, when meeting with these important persons, be sure to have an agenda. Know your talking points well 
and prepare and rehearse them before the meeting. Carve out one half hour, maybe an hour, and make sure you're finished within that time frame. No public official has time for a three-hour meeting unless it's a very serious forced issue. You'll win more respect from your elected official if you respect his or her precious time. Oh, and be sure to follow up with a thank you note, handwritten preferably. The next step is to find places and opportunities to educate the citizens of your community. That means you have to leave the station and go where the people are. Now, we know that you're busy and some days are crazy, but if we want to get the word out to the public to shift the tide, we have to teach what we want them to know. That means we have to go to them this time. Most people have no clue what EMS really is or what we do, so let's tell them. Think about all the places we can make community education happen. In our community, I can think of opportunities to visit the local senior citizen center. Since a large volume of our incidents involve older citizens, then requesting time to speak to those seniors in the place where a large majority of them gather each day is truly a perfect opportunity. Other great places to visit are service clubs like Rotaries, Kiwanas, and the Lions Club, where you not only engage with the community, but specifically get the message out to key business leaders who may be influential in a number of other ways to help your department. Why not request to present at the next Chamber of Commerce function too? Chances are local houses of worship have groups that meet for fellowship. After the Bible study or the Tuesday morning ladies group of the First Church of Christ, they may just enjoy hearing a short talk about EMS in their community, and I bet they'll feed you some goodies along the way too. Prepare a 20 to 30 minute talk about when it's appropriate to call 911 and when it isn't. Help your audience understand that activating the EMS system for a not so true medical emergency can only deprive your community of an emergency resource better spent on someone that truly may be suffering a severe medical emergency or trauma but it may also entail receiving a bill for your services that their Medicare or Medicaid coverage may not pay. Of course, we never want to scare someone out of calling 911, but then again, they need to understand the ramifications surrounding abuse of the EMS system. Better to educate them now than to distress them when they call your billing office to moan over their inability to make payment to satisfy the bill they've received. Oh, and to get their attention, why not stick around for a while and take their blood pressure or maybe do a few finger sticks to check someone's glucose levels? What a great idea. Here are some suggestions for an agenda when finally preparing what you're going to say. One, define what a true life-threatening emergency is. Two, explain that your department has limited resources and may not be able to respond if tied up on a less than emergent transport. Three, Spend some time explaining how Medicare and Medicaid pay for your services. Four, briefly explain your billing policies to eliminate the shock of receiving a bill for EMS. Five, have some equipment available for demonstration before and after your little talk. These are all good ideas that you should include with any talk you do. We've provided the framework, now it's your turn to make this happen for your community. If public speaking isn't your thing, pick someone in your organization that's good at it and empower them to represent your department. You'd be surprised what a morale booster it can be for staff to be visible in your community just beyond running calls. There are many groups that can help you develop a presentation, and there are also many groups you can present your presentation to to get the word out. I hope these few tips helped you today as we discuss this very important matter. Thank you for joining us. 
I wish each of you a great day and hey, be safe out there.